Hey Tubes, Emma here. Just wondering if there's a downside to buying things on sale. Feels like everything eventually goes on sale these days and yeah, keen to hear your thoughts. Hey, 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 you are listening to Hey Tubes, this incredible podcast where we are figuring out can we save the planet but make it fashion. We are your hosts, we are also sisters, and we are also the founders of footwear brand Tubes, and our names are Jess and Steph Dedon. We are so happy that you are tuning in here with us today. Today, we're going to be discussing whether there is a downside to buying on sale. This is very relevant to us because we actually have stopped discounting at Tubes. We used to be a heavily discounted brand like basically everyone else on the internet and in person right now, really. We were doing the Black Fridays, the Cyber Mondays. The Boxing Days, even Valentine's Day sometimes. Really, we just loved any day, any excuse to chuck a 20% up there. Yeah, and really the reason that we were doing that is because like most other retailers, we really wanted to move stock and there's nothing like a 20% off sale to just slap it on there and they will come. But there's so, so much more to this whole idea of discounting because actually brands create their prices with discounting in mind. So as you guys would probably know by now, we did go on this big environmental journey with Tubes in 2020. And something that we talked about a lot was this idea of encouraging people to buy shoes when they didn't really need them. And we hated this idea. We didn't understand how we could be a brand that's putting the environment at the heart and also pushing these huge sale days where there's so much urgency to buy. You know, we've all seen that 24 hours only, like you better buy today or you're going to miss out. And then I don't know about you, but the amount of purchases I have made in those periods of time where I'm seeing from a brand that I'm about to miss out, I buy so much stuff that I don't need. And then it will arrive a week later or two weeks later. And I didn't even remember the stuff I bought. It's almost like I blacked out in this like fashion dizzy days. And then all of a sudden, all this stuff shows up at my house and I'm like, oopsie, I didn't mean to. The sale made me do it. Oops, I did it again. Can I tell you the two things for me that will always make me buy something that I don't actually want? Hit me. One is a discount because I can't resist a discount because like if you told me it used to be $400 and now it's $200, that's 50% off. Had it originally been $200, I wouldn't have wanted it. That would have been really expensive. But 50% off, ooh, gimme. Okay, so that's my first. My second is only one left. Mm. I mean, I know that there's only one left or like low stock. And recently I bought something that was low stock. And then like a week later, they went on to sale and they suddenly had no low stock left. And I was like, it was lies. Wait, 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 hang on. Like I knew I wanted this. They were curtains for my house, but I only bought it knowing that there was a big sale period coming up because this is what we all do, right? We wait for the sale periods. I bought it knowing that the sale period was coming up and I could have gotten it cheaper because they'd said low stock. Mm. But then there actually was no low stock and it went on sale. Anyway, as per your advice, I ended up writing to the customer service team. They were very lovely and they ended up 
giving me the hundreds of dollars that I would have saved if I bought it on discount back to a credit in my account. But now I have to spend more money with them. The thing that always gets me at a discount period is I want something in pink. Then it goes on sale in blue. Maybe the pink sold out. Maybe the pink's selling better so they don't actually have to put the pink on sale. Mm. So then they're selling it in blue on a discount. I buy the blue because I really want the pink, but the blue is on discount. The blue comes... I never wear the blue. I look at the blue in my wardrobe. It sits there for about 12 months, just eating away at that guilty part of me until I go, why the hell did I not just fork out the extra cash and buy the pink? I would have kept that one for years. Instead, this blue within 12 months, I'm chucking it out. It's just our brains and it's just the way our brains work is like we just want discount we just want cheaper things and I just feel like there's in our brains we don't get to weigh up and be like but I really want this one so is it worth the extra investment for some reason it's like this is cheaper this is what I'm gonna go with it's worth saying that we know that there are some people that need to buy at a discount that's not really what we're talking about here what we're wanting to dissect through this podcast is what discounting does to our mentality as a consumer and how it impacts how much we are shopping. Not what we are shopping, but is it making us buy more? And I think that the answer is yes, it is making us buy more. Yeah. So I'm actually remembering that when we started Tubes, we didn't immediately go into discounting because for us, we literally knew nothing about running a brand. We knew nothing about shoes. We'd just gone on this rogue journey because we had a lot of determination and we wanted to start a shoe label. And we've talked about this before on this podcast where we were just like, hmm, you feel like you'll be $59 and you feel like you'll be $79. And it was actually based on nothing. But that's what we put it out there at initially. And then I remember people started to give us advice. These mentors who were working in business and people in digital marketing, they were saying to us, the mentality of shoppers now is that they like to buy on discount. So you guys need to be putting discounts on your shoes. So we'd start raising the prices of things so that we could give people a discount. Mm. So like we would be like, all right, let's make them 20% more and then just give 20% discounts. And the way that we started to see ourselves was that our day-to-day sales weren't even that strong. Like, you know, we'd have a few sales coming in and then we would have these sale periods. And I remember the first sale period that we did, I think it was a click frenzy and we made something like a hundred orders in one day. And that for us was huge. And we were like, whoa. And I remember we'd start like with a 10% off sale was our first one. And then the next one was a 15% and the next one was a 20%. Yes, it was like really strategic. Within a season, we would do 10%, then 15%, then 20%, then 25%. And and like by the 25%, we were like, I think we made like 200 sales in our next one. And we were like, whoa, the thrill of this and the fact that we can move these, this is so, so exciting. But really, we were just hiking up prices and then kind of tricking people into buying them because they were thinking that they were cheaper. But I guess it wasn't just us that was tricking them. It was the way that people had been trained almost to shop by these bigger retailers that they were only willing to buy when there was a discount on it. So I think if we take it back to the question, is there a downside to buying on sale? I understand that as a customer, there's a lot of upside because I'm also a customer and I am not immune to the discount discount. But I think as we start to pull the curtain back on it, we realize that 
Brands are tricking us into thinking that we're getting a good deal when in reality, this price is probably what the item is worth. So if you're seeing a brand that's regularly offering 30% off and you're like, awesome, I'm getting such a good deal. The reality is it probably is worth the smaller price point and they're just tricking you by pricing it a little bit higher and then you're going to want to buy when the 30% off sale comes around. I think also it's making us buy way more than we need and also the stuff that we do buy on a discount, do we hold it to the same value as something that we bought at full price? That's a really interesting thing for us to explore. I think from my own experience, when I do buy something on a discount, I don't hold it to the same standard. Like in my mind, it's not as good a quality or I don't feel as bad if I'm not keeping it for as long or I might buy a few items on discount and then only really wear two of the four pieces I bought. I feel like we've all done that. Yeah, like I feel like if I spend a lot on something, then like it's precious and I'm gonna take a really good care of it and I could buy the exact same thing for $5 and then I just don't care about it. Mm, Yeah, like we're attaching the value that we paid monetarily. So is there a downside to buying on sale? For me, yes, there is. And it's a lot to do with the environment. I think ultimately I have to say it's bad for Mama Earth buying on a discount. Well, I think we are definitely in a grant on this one. And I feel like this is the perfect time to phone a friend. And today it's a close friend. We love it when we have IRL friends on this podcast. So we are going to be phoning Robin Percy, who is the COO or Chief Operations Officer at Tubes. Robin came on board with us last year to grow the business. She's been an awesome part of our team. And she also has a big background in merchandise planning and working with big brands. And she has some awesome insights into the way that discount culture works. So let's give Robin a call. Hey, Robin. Hi. We're so excited to be here chatting to you. So excited to be here. So we're having this discussion today. And the question is, is there a downside to buying on sale? And we thought you are the perfect person to chat to this about because you know so much about numbers and prices and why things are priced the way they are. So we wanted to ask you first off, why are some brands always on sale? Such a good question and definitely something I think we're all seeing more and more of. Back in the day, sale periods used to be reserved for like seasonal gifting and, you know, to clear dead stock. And I think what retailers learn was that when they put their prices down, they saw their sales spike. It's like a drug. And so they've just kept on and on doing it. So we've stepped away from having these really kind of finite sale periods to just bounding from one discounted period to the next, to the next, to the next. And once you start down that train, it's really, really difficult. Retailers often will compare their sales this year against last year and against a budget. And the last year, if it's had um, sale periods pushing those sales up, you've got to try and anniversarize that, right? So then you're kind of doing the same activity to get the same result or better. And your budgets are often built off last year's performance, which may well have been driven by discounting. And how do they actually work out though? Like, okay, I can afford to sell this at a discount. Does that mean like they're artificially like chucking their prices up and then just to allow for them to be able to discount so many times throughout the season? 
Absolutely. Most retailers will know we're going to discount this product by somewhere between 25 and 30% most of the year. So they build that into their margins so that you've got stock at the end of the season to fuel a sale. So it's kind of like artificially created dead stock, which is being bought in those buy quantities. And there's no kind of exit strategy for that stock outside of discounting. You know, where's it going to go if it's not discounted? It's, it's, you know, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Well, there are so many stories like the Burberries of the world who have these like massive bonfire parties where they just like burn a bunch of stock that is perfectly good, but it's because they bought way too much. Or remember on TikTok recently, that stuff started to go viral where coach were ripping perfectly good bags and then chucking them in landfill because they didn't want people to go dumpster diving and find these great bags and then resell them on. As you can see, they're all slashed, which is Coach's policy. They order an employee to deliberately slash it so no one can use it. And then they write it off as a tax write-off. Brands like that obviously don't want to like cheapen their product. Cheapen with air quotes in case you were wondering. Yeah, like cheapen. They don't want to cheapen their product by going on sale. So their alternative is to throw them out. So it's like, is it better that brands discount than throwing them out. I mean, I think the discounting and the this could be bought for cheaper mentality isn't necessarily great because consumers will hold out, then they'll buy more, then there's this sort of fake urgency that gets created. So the stock either gets kind of sold by the retailer and then it becomes a consumer issue to dispose of once it comes to the end of its life, or it's not discounted and it's a retailer issue to dispose of. I'm not quite sure which one's better. We need to like reverse this culture of discounting so that they're not buying more stock than they need so that we're not buying more stock as customers than we need. And as humans, like we have this like switch that goes off that it's just like, I'm just going to keep getting more and more and more if I can, rather than do I need this? And it's like the businesses need to think about, do I need this? And the customers need to think about, do I need this? Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash boast. Imagine if they did what they did with fashion, but like with our everyday things that we buy, like coffee or bread. So we're all really used to buying our coffee for, I don't know, $5. Is that how much coffee costs? I get like a decaf oat milk latte. So yours is probably like $8. Like not even drinking anything as well. It's like air. We're used to buying it for, let's say $5. But imagine if your local cafe was just like, hey, actually coffee costs $10. Your latte costs $10. But guess what? Every day it's 50% off. And so you're actually getting it for five, same price, but it makes you feel totally different. And then what would you do? Would you buy more coffee? Would you buy less coffee? Like, I just think that that's such an interesting thing to think about. You know, when you're actually working in a, in a brand and you're producing product, if you're a buyer, if you're a designer, if you're a, even if you're a merch planner, anyone really who's involved in the product development cycle, you put all this love, all this effort into creating this product. You've 
probably traveled, you've been all over the place trying to develop it, you've worked with these factories wherever you get your product made. And then to see that go out at full price and then immediately become discounted and the quality and the value of that product immediately kind of undercut in the market. It's really heartbreaking experience, you know, and it undervalues every single step of the way, everybody's contribution to getting that product out into the marketplace. The rise of discount culture, I feel like is so huge. And as a brand who doesn't discount as well, customers will write to us all angry, like, hey, it's Boxing Day. Why aren't you as hell? Rah, 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 rah. And they really grown to expect it from a brand. And when a brand doesn't give them that, I feel like it makes them angry. So like, can we discuss discount culture? Is, is it bad? I think it is bad in many, many ways. I can understand from a consumer perspective, they've become used to it. Like they've been trained. Brands have trained them really well to wait for something to be discounted and to expect for things to be discounted. But it undervalues the product. It undervalues the the effort that's gone into making the product. It's not actually solving a problem for the retailer because they're just going to have to buy more and more and more to keep on fueling more and more and more discounting. And from a consumer perspective, it's not great because you're just accumulating stuff that you maybe don't need, maybe don't want because it was cheap, because it feels like a bargain. So I'm not quite sure who the winners are in discounting culture, other than sort of superficially the retailers from a sales perspective. That just made me remember this discussion that we had with a few of our mentors in Tubes when we were talking about doing our buys. And I'm wondering, do the brands that are into this discount culture vibe, do they also allot for a percentage of their stock that's not going to be sold at the end of their season? Like, do they have a little area where they're like, cool, this is still going to end up in landfill or we're going to offshore it to somewhere that doesn't need it? You know, look, ultimately, I think most brands want to at the end of their discounting period and some stock might go through kind of one or two or even three discounting cycles for it to be cleared. Like, I don't think any brand really wants to be in the kind of sending stuff off to landfill situation, mm-hmm. but they definitely want to have some stock available to discount to kind of fuel sale periods. And it's easy to get that estimation wrong. So it's very easy for what was an estimation of kind of markdown stock to end up being landfill stock by mistake, essentially. So can you talk us through how do brands decide what to price things? Yeah, so most brands will have a sort of target margin that they're working to. So they know that they want to, to running a retail business is expensive, right? So you've got staff that you need to pay if you bricks and mortar you've got rents that you need to pay and utilities that you need to pay so most businesses will have an idea of like how much money they need to make to break even and then to turn a profit and so they build that calculation back into the margin of their products that they're selling yeah so it's kind of like a a collaboration between a probably a buying team and then a finance team to sort of get to that place and so do you feel like there are certain brands out there that whatever they get to that they need to price things out to cover all that, they go, okay, cool. Then let's add 20% on and then we'll be 20% off for most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. There are brands out there that will pad their margins and kind of overshoot what they need and what's a really reasonable expectation in terms of profit from a product to be able to facilitate markdowns during the season because it's such a key part of so many brands' retail calendar now. You know, they just literally jump from one discounting period to the next to the next to the next making sure that they're remaining compliant but it's just constant discounting essentially there's actually one australian brand that comes to mind and we won't name names but we have worked with them before and their stuff is super expensive and quote unquote ethical or people think that 
they're ethical or they they pertain to be and they are permanently on sale and I always wondered like why are they always on sale and is it because they're not moving stock or is it yeah like are they going out of business we were thinking for a while because they've got like such hectic sale posters always in the windows yeah but then I think the more we got to know the industry the more we started to understand that like oh this is a strategy that they are employing where their stuff actually doesn't cost that much, but they want you to think that it does. And then they also want you to think that you're getting a really good deal when they give it to you at 30% off. And I just don't feel like that's very ethical. Absolutely. And it's like, there's two sides of the coin, right? There's the kind of what the product is sold for side of the coin. But then there's also the kind of cost price that the business has paid to purchase the product in the first place. And so on the one side, if you're driving down the price for, for customers, the retail price, you also have to drive down the buy price essentially to kind of get it for as cheap as you possibly can and that that's not also not benefiting anybody at all so you're talking about like they're having to negotiate with the factories to pay their workers less yeah exactly right like lower and lower wages because you're trying to get a cheaper and cheaper price Mm. Um, or buying more material than you actually need just to hit an MOQ you know all of these practices which all along the way are contributing to excess consumption and waste and landfill essentially at the end of the day. So I think it's really interesting the way that we would work with retailers that they would take part of the margin and then you know everyone just is taking a slice of the pie and it keeps getting marked up and is that kind of part of the problem like do we feel like maybe retailers and having that middle person is an archaic way of doing things and like sort of like us now at tubes we get to price things a little bit more fairly and based on what are things actually worth rather than everybody trying to get a piece of it the more people are involved in selling something the more people there are that have to have their little clip of the ticket so if you've got a distributor and then a wholesaler and then a retailer you know you're going to be losing margin essentially every step of that way so that has to be built in that has to come from somewhere the direct-to-consumer model that we have at tubes and that you know, lots of other brands are adopting is way more transparent, able to be way more transparent and able to be way more efficient as well. It's certainly more enjoyable to work within and probably the future, I would say. So if I'm a listener right now here listening to this podcast. Hello, listener. Hello. By waiting to buy on sale, am I fueling discount culture? Yes, essentially you are because you are unfortunately letting the retailers know through the power of your money that their strategy is working because you're doing what they want you to do, which is to purchase and to help them meet their sales targets for that discounted period. Mm, So if that same person buys at full price rather than on sale, is that a form of activism, would we say? Like, is that really going against discount culture by buying full price? Absolutely. It's a form of micro-activism, yeah. You'd need to get quite a lot of people to join you, I think, to see a significant shift. But the more these kind of conversations happen and the more people kind of understand a little bit of what's going on behind the curtain for retailers, I think the more likely people are to kind of make better informed decisions about when to buy and what to buy. And as a result, purchasing patterns will shift towards organizations and companies that are offering better product, more sustainable product, um, you know, product which is probably priced fairly and never on sale. If you want to push against discount culture, but you still love a discount, I totally hear you. Like, I think it's really hard. I'm listening to this conversation and I'm understanding it. And then I'm also putting myself in the shoes of a consumer, hopefully they're wearing tubes and going, but that's so hard. 
I want to buy on discount and I hear you because that's what I'm thinking as well as we're having this conversation. But I also think that don't go the bonanza. You know that feeling when you want to buy like a hundred things from one website when they're on a discount? Don't do that. You know that you won't wear them. We've definitely had situations at Tubes where someone will buy eight pairs of shoes. One human being buys eight pairs of shoes. We can tell that they're all for them because they're in the same size when we're on sale or when we were on sale. And we're sitting there going, oh my goodness, is this person ever going to wear all eight? No, they're not going to. They maybe could have bought two and had them on rotation for a couple of years and it would have had the same effect rather than just going all out, buying yourself a new wardrobe or what you think and you'll only end up wearing a couple pieces anyway. So I've got this really interesting study to share with you all. So there was a behavioral economics study done and I think it was at a university and they set up a little stand and they were selling Hershey's Kisses. So these like tiny little chocolates for one cent and lint truffles for 26 cents and they wanted to see which one people would buy and lint truffle is obviously like a very like decadent chocolate so a lot of people were buying the lint truffles like more people than were buying the Hershey's Kisses and then they lowered each of them by one cent so the lint truffles became 25 cents and the Hershey's Kisses became free and then all of a sudden everybody just was taking the Hershey's Kisses and it's so interesting because it's like you want the lint truffle you'd prefer the lint truffle it's literally like not that much money you can afford it but there's something for us like when something's free or when something's discounted or we think we're saving we will compromise on what we want and we'll go for that thing and I guess the thing in that is that rather than thinking about how cheap could I get this maybe it's better for people to be thinking how good of a purchase can I be making here? You know that when you're spending a little bit more for something that's quality, if you're buying it from a brand whose values align with yours, if they're not harming any animals and if they're considering the environment and that the people who made them are really getting paid what they're worth and paid a living wage, all of those things are what we kind of need to be focusing our attention on. And those are the things that we can really feel good about and replace that high of paying less with the high of actually doing good. What's next? Like if you could rub your crystal ball and have a guess in the dark about where we're going with discounting, is it more? Is it less? What do you think is going to happen? Because I don't understand how these retailers can stay afloat if they're just like discounting here, there and everywhere. I would love to say that there will just be a mass reset around consumerism and, you know, how much stuff people actually need to be purchasing, how much as a like human collective on this planet we can actually produce anyway, in a way that's going to be in some way kind to our world and move away from discounting and move away from kind of tools to help people purchase more and more and more. That would be I think my dream. Awesome. Thanks so much, Robin. Thanks for having me. So fun chatting as always. See you in the office. See you there. Hey, Tubes. Robin is just the best. What a wealth of knowledge. We'll definitely be having her back on the pod to ask her all the questions. I have a feeling. So now we're going to head into a brand new segment that you have never heard before. And this is a segment we like to call Confessions of a Shopaholic. So this is a segment where us former shopaholics confess to our shopping escapades of years past. 
We are reformed shopaholics, so no longer do we do these things. I like to recall myself a recovering shopaholic. Sometimes I fall off the wagon. Yeah, sometimes she comes out still to play. But we are going to go back into the archives of our brains to previous times when we got out of control and we were total shopaholics. So today's little story that we're going to tell you is a pretty good one, so much so that before when we were discussing it, we thought, oh, oh, is that too bad? Can we really confess to this on the podcast? <laughs> like I'm really nervous to tell you guys this because it's a big one. So way back in the day when we could international travel, we would go to China quite often to visit our suppliers, to go to the markets. And the good thing, or so we thought it was a good thing at the time about going there was there is a plethora of fake stuff, like all fake luxury goods that you can buy at these markets for a little pittance. I feel like this is something like, are we going to get cancelled over telling you this story? But you know what? We're not about cancel culture. We're about transparent culture and we're going to tell you this and also we're about reform and we have we true have, people can change we believe that we have repented for our sins we sure have and so there was this one particular market that we would visit when we were in Guangzhou that was like you know we were doing all of our like work shopping at these certain markets at the fabric markets and things like that but this market specifically we would go to just to shop for ourselves and side note to this story is that we would go there and we would buy so many clothes like we would buy all this different stuff like I actually reckon I have outfits oh I've got this really cool like sparkly pants and jumper you know with like the stripe yes. down them. they're definitely a ripoff of some brand but I don't know what they are but they're really cool that I still wear we had been there a few times before as well so we knew what to expect so we actually asked our friends as well what do you want? And so they gave us a little shopping list of, you know, oh, well, I love these shoes from Gucci and I love this bag from Dior. And we went equipped with our list in hand and we bought up so big. I reckon that trip, we probably came home with about seven pairs of ripoff designer sneakers. Oh my God. We literally, I remember at this market also bought a suitcase so oh, that we could yes. bring it all home. Oh my God. We still have that suitcase. Yeah, it's actually it's, in our office. Oh, is that? But it's broken, isn't it? No. Oh, great. The suitcase itself is a supreme ripoff. <laughs> oh, you're right. So mm, it wasn't our finest moment, but I don't even have a but. No, we're confessing to it now. We would never do it again. Not only would we not go to markets where we know nothing about where these clothing, where all this clothing has come from. We would not buy designer ripoffs and we wouldn't do any of that anymore. But we did it and we're confessing to it right here. And we can laugh about it in hindsight. We didn't know any better and that's okay. Now we know. Now we know. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't yet, we would absolutely love you to please rate us five stars and leave us a review. Make sure you come on and hang out with us in Facebook, A Kinder Community. We are going to be chatting about what you have been tricked into buying on a discount that you've never, ever worn. See you next Monday. Bye. Hey, hey, hey. 
Thank you so much to our podcast producer, Amelia Navasquez, our podcast coordinator, Bianca Whitner, and a big thank you to King Cora and Lily3PO for creating our incredible theme song. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record, the Boonarong, Boonwarang and Wurundjeri Woolwurrung peoples of the Eastern Kulin Nation and the Arakwal people of the Bundjalung Nation. We pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging.